Welcome to the pilot of Under Review with Steven, Statboy, and Greg. Uh, so this is our first podcast together, guys. Um, this is going to be a test pilot. We're just putting things together and trying to get a flow forward. So we don't actually have a real intro right now. So it's this lame excuse for a intro. Um, hopefully we'll figure something out that is a lot cooler and a lot better at some point. But for now, this is basically what you're getting. Um, but what you will get is a lot of hockey talk, especially about the Rangers. So um, let's let's dive into that a little bit. Um, Steve is on the air, so I'm going to yeah. welcome Steve on. Yeah, thanks. And uh, yeah, I mean, next week, hopefully we have, an, we have a logo and then maybe then the week after that, we'll have an intro and then we'll get somewhere. Yeah, exactly. We'll, you know, we'll take it a little at a time and we'll start carving it out and making it kind of cool, sort of, kind of, maybe. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's start with, uh, let's start with the 2019 draft that's coming up. Um, obviously, the, 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 the big blockbuster um, is that the, the Rangers actually had some luck in the lottery pool and wind up winning the second overall pick in the 2019 draft. And so now the talk is not about what the Rangers are going to do. It's what player are they going to get from whoever New Jersey who won the lottery is not going to draft. Yeah, exactly. And the second overall pick is, I think, the, the best pick to have in this draft because it's the only pick in the entire draft that will not be up for debate. I mean, the first overall pick, they're going, there's going to be a debate for the next 10 years, Kako or Hughes. At the third, third and down, there's going to be a debate over which player they passed on. The second overall pick, there's no debate. It's, it's whoever doesn't get picked first overall. So the Rangers cannot go wrong here. It's, 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 it's probably the best outcome we could have wished for as, as Ranger fans. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's, I think that's spot on. Uh, you couldn't have crafted this any better, yeah. uh, to, be, to be completely honest. And it, it, you couldn't clear out it better. Yeah, and it will be an interesting uh, couple of weeks uh, leading up to uh, to the draft because the World Championships are starting uh, next week, I think, in Bratislava. Uh, Kako has already said he's going, but now Jack Hughes has also said he's going to the World Championships. So we we may see them go head to head, not may, maybe not actually play against each other, but both in the same tournament against men. Um, and that tournament might determine who goes first and who goes second. But if things stay the same, then I expect Jack Hughes to go first overall. Yeah, me too. Uh, that's interesting that Jack Hughes is willing to, you know, go into a men's tournament. That's interesting. Well, uh, he, he's, he's not the first one and definitely not the last one to do it before being drafted. We had, uh, for instance, Patrick Laine a couple of years ago, who, who put up a lot of points, actually, in the men's world championships. Um, and you see more and more, especially teams like the United States, more and more they seem to move away from this all-star team approach and they go with players that they feel are a good combination together. Uh, last year they had Quinn Hughes. Uh, this year, uh, um, you, I think Brady Shea is going. Um, <clears throat> and also Adam Fox, who we'll talk about later on. Uh, right. But... Um, Team USA is, is just looking at line combinations and what works together instead of just calling up the, the 23 best players the country has to offer. Right. It's yeah. an interesting approach, and, and may, maybe it'll pay off for them, maybe it doesn't, but this is why these, these kids get a chance, because Finland and Sweden have been doing this for years. Uh, Finland and Sweden have been calling up these, these 17, 18-year-olds when they are good enough just to see how they do. And they already play professional hockey in Europe, so that leap is a little bit easier to make for them. Yeah. I, I think one interesting thing that, that some European countries do that the North American teams don't do, or at least the Americans don't do as well, um, is that they don't have that trust in that young kid. Um, I, think, I think there's a little more trust with um, some of the European <laughs> nations with, okay, yeah, this guy's 17, 18 years old, 19 years old, but he's a stud. Let's, let's just throw him out there. Whereas I think we have this little tendency to baby our players a little bit more and kind of try to keep them in, in a certain development path. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but there's more to it than just that. I mean, in North America, a player under 18 cannot play professional hockey. That's a right. big difference. In Europe, if, because Europe has a different system. It doesn't have the franchise system with major leagues, minor leagues, and then juniors, and then the draft. Uh, there's a an, an academy system where a player comes through the ranks, plays for the under 16s, under 18s, under 20s, 
if they are good enough, they move on to the next level. And yeah. sometimes you see 16, 17-year-olds play in at the men's level because they are already uh, too good for the under-20s. And in, in North America, you cannot do that. A player like Jack Hughes cannot play professional in North America because he cannot go into the AHL or the NHL because of the closed system with the draft. So that 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 forces their hand a little bit that they cannot... Re- yeah, they cannot really give a 17-year-old a spot on the national team because that leap from the, the U.S. Hockey League or major juniors is just too much for, for a player to take for a tournament. That makes sense, for yeah, that makes sense actually. So speaking of with the uh, so now that we do have that pick, we're, like I said, we're sitting in a very rosy spot yep. here. Um, yep. it, we we really couldn't have done any better. Uh, the fact that we get the loser, and I hate saying that word, I'm going to use it very loosely, but the loser of whoever New Jersey doesn't select first is the decision is made is made for us. We don't yep. get, there's there's not a lot of work that the Rangers have to do. The Rangers literally have to go into this and say whoever they don't take, we take. Yep. It's and, literally that's it's it's basically idiot proof and they cannot go wrong. And I've seen Ranger fans being worried about what if the Rangers pass on Kako uh, and then they use picks from previous years to to justify their, uh, you know, their 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 take. But that's just not the case here. I mean, it's the second overall pick. We never had a second overall pick. And when people bring up Leas Anderson, it was seventh overall. Dylan McElrath, tenth overall. That's a completely different world in the draft where every team has different players top of their list in that in that range. At second overall, every team agrees these two players are the ones to go with. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Is there a possibility that, that the Rangers could go off the board at two? Yes, of course there is. Um, Maybe. But having said that, if they do that, I think even the Rangers know that they will be absolutely murdered in the media. They will be murdered by their fan base. And if that player they don't take even plays remotely well, they're just going to get killed every day for it. It'll be like, in all seriousness, Jeff Gordon would be like digging his own grave. I don't think think any GM is going to try to out... like. I get it. When you start getting to like, you know, the, the end of the top 10 and you're in the team, like the, the latter part of the lottery, maybe you want to be a little off the board, a little edgy and say, you know what? I'm going to take this kid that no one else is thinking about, but I think he's a top, top 15 kid. Like you do something like that. But like not, I'm sorry, no, go ahead. Like Kravtsov last year, ninth overall. Yeah, I, I, exactly. There were, there were a lot of people that had Kravtsov, you know, 12 to 15 and yeah. the Rangers took him, you know, in the top 10. Fine. It's, yeah. it, it is what it is. I mean, you, you're taking a risk, and maybe it pays off. But something like this, no, no, you, you don't go off the board. You don't go off the board here. Exactly. No one's going to risk their career for this. And, and this is something that Steve Valaket brought up uh, on the night of the draft lottery. Um, and it was, he was talking about Jack Hughes first overall. Uh, but it also applies to Kako at second overall. A GM is not going to risk his job by going off the board. Uh, and it backfiring. Uh, Jack Hughes has been the consensus first overall pick for this draft in the last three years leading up to this moment. He has always been the number one. And it's this is why I think Kako will go definitely second overall. Because New Jersey is not going to pass on the guy that has been projected first overall for so many years. Yeah, I agree with that. And this is I, much I closer than 2017. People also bring up the 2017 draft where the Devils uh, passed on Nolan Patrick and went with Nico Hishie. But Patrick and Hishie, it was much more of a toss-up. This is not even a toss-up. There was no consensus first overall pick in 2017. Hishie and Patrick both played major juniors, um, and I think the North American factor will play a little bit of a part here in the in the upcoming draft, and Jack Hughes will, will go first overall. Yeah, That's and the- I do think the other, the other um, thing that will probably benefit the, the New Jersey Devils is the fact that um, they, they can go and get themselves a center that they can now have that one, two punch down the middle. It's kind of nice. Um, it, it gives them, you know, a carbon copy of what the, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins did many years ago. Yeah. And also what the Bruins did with lower picks, but still the Bruins with Bergeron and Krejci, they were set down the middle. Right. And they've, they've been, they've been contending for 10 years. Yeah, it's it's a good model to have, I think. Um, and I don't think the Devils are that are, are as pressed to get back into the playoffs next year 
So they're not going to look at it. Well, you know, Kako can play next year and Hughes might need a year or two of development before he's in the NHL. I don't think the Devils are going to think that way. I think they're just going to take the, the player they think is the, the bigger impact player. That's fine. And, and it's easier to build around a center than it is around a winger. So that, that's another thing that they might go with. That's right. another reason why they might go with him. Um, right. But yeah, right. I, I think to me, the more interesting part is the rest of the draft for the Rangers. Uh, we have the Winnipeg pick, which can still go up three points, uh, three positions. Um, we have Dallas pick, which can still potentially become first round pick. Every every series in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs at the moment is still vital to the Rangers. Yeah, I um, agree. The, the the Dallas series is is vital for the Dallas pick to become first overall. The other three series can affect the Winnipeg pick. If Carolina or Columbus or Colorado advances, it moves that pick up one spot or two or three, depending on how many of those three actually advance. Right. Uh, and that first round will definitely look interesting this year. Um, unfortunately, uh, or I don't know if you could say unfortunately, but the Rangers did trade their own second round pick yesterday. Right. Uh, in a package. Um for Adam Fox. Right. And a lot of Ranger fans were talking about the ability to trade up in the draft. Um, now that we no longer have the 37th overall pick, it might not be as easy. We still have the Tampa Bay uh, second round pick and the Dallas second round pick or the Dallas first round pick. So yeah, I mean, the Rangers still have options. They, they, they have essentially they have two. They still have two second round picks, possibly yep. a first if Dallas wins another three games. Exactly. So there's that. Plus they have Winnipeg's pick. So mm-hmm. to say they can't trade up is not accurate. Um, they just have one less bullet in their chamber. Yeah, and, and, and Gordon had a lot of ammo to use, and that's why uh, giving up the, that second and conditional third-round pick for Adam Fox was, was not a problem. It's Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've definitely seen some people on Twitter a little upset about the value of it, um, thinking that, well, you know, you're gonna, you, you were going to get him next year anyways. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, who knows? How do maybe. you know what's going to happen in 12 months? What if the kid turns around and says, what if Carolina, like, wins the cup? What if, like, you know, Lou Lamarillo, like, you know, persuades him to, like, you know, come to the island? I mean, there's just a zillion things that could happen. What if he just decides to go to some another, uh, another team that really wants him and is a Stanley Cup playing team next year? I mean, there's a zillion things that could happen. Exactly. You don't have to think about the what if now. You've got your guy. You plugged. It, you can plug him in. You can sign him to his entry level contract. And be done yeah. with it. Yeah, and I mean, th- this is this is what Gorton said yesterday as well. Um, Gorton said we like what we see. Uh, we think he can he can start in the NHL immediately. So why would we wait a whole year? And giving up a second and a third round pick when we have this many picks is not a big deal. This is not like 2016 where we gave up two second round picks for Eric Stahl. When we didn't have that much draft, that many draft picks to give away, it's completely. Yeah, I, I actually completely agree with that. I, I think you always have to assess the amount of picks you have versus what you're getting. So yeah. if you're giving up, essentially, the Rangers had three second round picks this year. They had their own Dallas's and Tampa Bay's, right? Yeah. So they gave up one of those plus a third from next year mm-hmm. for Adam Fox. Yeah. I, I just I don't see the loss in that. Um, first of all, like I said, they, they have three picks that are in that second round. Secondly, the player that they would pick roughly around, so th- their pick would have been what? Um, mm. High 30s? That, that, that second round pick is what, 37, 38? This year, 37. 37. What's the likelihood that the kid they pick at 37 is a, is, is a potential top, you know, uh, top pairing defenseman? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. And I think fans underestimate that because they always look at draft picks, especially looking back at previous drafts and go, oh, this guy was there drafted in the second round. Yes, yeah, I know Kucherov was a second round pick. I know. It doesn't mean that you will find a Kucherov with a 37th overall pick this year. Because it, in my opinion, everything after the first round is, is just a gamble. If, if teams knew how good the players were that they draft after the first round, they would have picked them in the first round. Exactly. If the Rangers knew that Stepan was going to be this player, I mean, he, he's not an elite center, but for a second-round pick, he has done remarkably well. If, if the Rangers knew how good Stepan would be, they would have drafted him 20th overall. They would have traded up into the first round. That's just not how it works. 
um, if if the Rangers knew how good Lundqvist would be, they would have picked him in the first round, not the seventh. And the other the other teams in the league would not have passed on him six times or seven times. Yeah. It's it's always easy to go back to a draft six seven years ago and go, oh, we should have picked this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's easy yeah. to say. That, that, that's that's not how you evaluate a draft. No, it's it's I I I call it. I mean, it's like Monday, you know, um, Monday morning quarterback. It's like you always want to you always want to assess the damage after the after yeah. everything's been done, and you're like, well, I would have done this differently. Well, yeah, you've seen the result of the outcome. Oh, no, no. I mean, that actually, I have no problem with that if it's right after the draft. If you have a conversation like a week after the draft and say, man, I was really I was really high on this player or that player. I wish we would have gotten him like in, in 20, was it 16, 2015, 2015. I really wanted Daniel Sprong in the second round and we went with Ryan, Ryan Grob. I said it at the time and as saying it at the time makes sense because you're still in that in that position. No, no, I mean like I mean like several years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's lazy. Because people yes. bring up bring up guys like Mark Stone and Henrik Zetterberg and Pavel Datsuk and no, I think one of them was undrafted. Anyway, uh, Victor Arvidsson. You know, you can go back and look at all these late all these late picks in the draft that worked out and, and make a case for oh, I would be a great GM. Yeah, yeah but that's exactly. not how it works. That's just that's just not how it works. No, not at all. But yeah, um, getting, getting Adam Fox for a second and potentially another second round pick next year, that's great. That's, yeah. And they basically gave up a second round pick to get him a year earlier. Could, could, could his development benefit from a year in the NHL as opposed to his uh, final year in college? I think so. I, I think he, he, he would be a better player uh, 12, years from, uh, 12 months from now having played in the NHL instead of his senior year in college. All right. So now speaking of, let's say, let's take a look at the, uh, the Winnipeg pick. Cause I think, cause that's the only one we're sure that we're going to, that we have in this yeah. first round and we're sure of us, uh, an idea of where we're going to select. It's, right? it's, it's, it's at worst 21st overall. Right. So at worst 21st at best, what? 18, 18, 18. Yeah, exactly. So what guys in that range are we looking at that were, what, which, what guys do you do you like? Um, well, as or you even know, some guys that maybe would go later that you would take early, yeah. or some guys that might fall to that mm. late teen range. As you know, living in Europe, I I watch a lot of European prospects, so I tend to focus on those. And um, yeah, I think I think Villa Heinola, who plays in Finland, he's a left-handed defenseman, is one of the targets for the Rangers. Okay, he, he plays with Tarmo Reunanen uh, for Luko in Finland. So I already know that Rangers scouts have seen a lot of him. He's projected to go around 15-20. So he is in that range. Um, it, would, it would be an interesting player. Would I go with a defenseman? I don't know. I mean, we already have enough defensemen in, in the system. Two, one or two of them are going to, to reach a, a certain level where, where, where they will be very valuable. Out of, out of the 12 we have, at least one or two of them should should make the NHL. So should they go with a defenseman? I don't know. But if he is there, I could see them go with Heinola. If, if they like what they saw, um, I could see that happening. And the other one is actually a player I spoke to uh, Gordy Clark about last year. Because I met Gordy Clark at the under-24 Nations tournament in the Czech Republic. Because uh, Vitaly Kravtsov was playing in that tournament and so was Niels Lundqvist. So I drove up and I, I just ran into Gordy Clark and just walked up to him and, and said hi and we spoke for about 10 minutes. And one of the players that, that, that I, he asked me, are there any, any other players that you're looking at today? I said, well, Dorofeev is one that, that I've been following for a couple of months now. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just I'm just making too much out of that one remark. I do think that Dorofeev would be a great pickup in uh, late in the first round. Okay. Um, any? Do you have any thoughts that maybe maybe a guy like uh, like like Cole Caulfield or um, Trevor Zegers drops that low? Uh, Zegers or, or, or might. No yeah. I think Zegers might. Uh, Caulfield had a really strong under-18 World Championship, so I don't see him dropping. I could see him actually go into the top 10. Yeah, I, I actually think, I think Caulfield's going to get taken top 10. I think he, 
At worst, I think he gets taken 12th, but I think he makes it into the top 10. But, you know, I mean, look, he's also, you know, five foot six. I mean, I, I, I kind of wonder some of these teams might go, eh, I don't want that small guy. Maybe we can, maybe even we trade up then if we're sitting at like 19 and we make a move to 14 or 15, take him. Yeah, and and I I did some research on uh, on trading up in the draft and and trading up four or five spots from nineteen would would cost you a late second round or or an early third round pick. So the Tampa Bay pick, for instance, or the Dallas pick, if they don't reach the conference final, both in the second round, one of those picks would would probably get us in that fifteen range. 14. And that's where and that's and that's worth it if there's a guy up there you really like. If if the Rangers see a guy drop to fifteen, where they know they can they can trade up to, uh, I think they'll go for it. But I think fans need to need to understand as well that to trade up, you also need a trade partner who's willing to trade down, and that doesn't always happen. No, it, that is very true, actually. And as there's a lot, as, there's a lot of moving parts. As much as you like to move up, because the Rangers, from what I've from the reports I've read two years ago, they wanted to get Elias Pettersson, and they wanted to move up. But there was just no team that wanted to move down. And the same thing with uh, Clayton Keller the year before. They, they wanted to move up to fourth. And the moment Puglio Yarvi dropped to fourth, Edmonton didn't want to trade their pick anymore. I think, I think there, was a trade, there were trade talks or rumors uh, involving the fourth overall pick and Ryan McDonough and some additional parts, one side or the other. I don't know. But this, this is what happens, you know. GMs change their mind because oh, all of a sudden the player they didn't expect to be in their range is is dropping. So if if, if you want to move up, yeah, you need to find a trade partner who wants to move down, and that that just doesn't always happen. Right. What about Arthur Kiliev? Arthur Kiliev had a great season in juniors. He scored fifty goals. He is he is one of the rare prospects. In that I could see him go to Europe after being drafted because he's, I don't think he's good enough to make the jump to the NHL immediately, but he also has nothing left to prove in, in junior hockey. Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. So, so yeah. If, and, and he's not allowed to go to the AHL because uh, players drafted out of uh, junior hockey are not allowed to play in the AHL until the age of 20 or after five junior seasons. That, that's why a lot of players are always sent back to juniors instead of sent to the AHL. So if you see teenagers playing the AHL, it's always either Europeans or players that come through college or the United States Hockey League. Yeah, that makes uh, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> all right, so I mean, we, we the Rangers got some, some some moves they can make. I think I think that they could. They definitely. The one thing that, that Gorton has done, and he did this the same thing last year, was that he put this team in a position, or I should say he put himself in a position, where he's able to provide some flexibility and some options on draft day. He has lots of ways he can dice this up. He can trade a player for more picks. He can trade picks for players. He can trade up. I mean, he's got lots of options. And once you winning, – winning that second overall – takes a big, big sigh of relief off the rest of the draft. Yeah. Now you've got your big stud, and you can go into the rest of the draft and literally just attack for, like, you know, guys that you think are super value. You know, maybe a guy that's going to take two years to develop but has unbelievable skill. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't have to reach for a guy that's like, oh, man, I think this guy needs to play in the NHL next year. You might go for a kid that, oh, you know what? This guy's got raw ability, but, you know, two years down the road, he's going to be a stud. Yeah, and you know, you know who fits that that bill actually that you just just described, Dorofeyev. Huh. I mean, he's played in the KHL this season. Uh, playing in the KHL as an eighteen-year-old is huge. Um, he he has a very mature style of hockey that he plays. He he's very defensively responsible. Uh, skates really well, and people have asked me who would you compare him to, and and Kravtsov is. The comparison I come up with every time. Um, would the Rangers draft another Kravtsov? I, why not? I mean, you can use them. Yeah. Imagine having having a similar player on your third line. Right. It's, exactly. it's, it's not a bad thing. And yeah, Gordon has uh, focused on quantity in the rebuild the, the last two years. You know, acquiring picks and prospects and 
and over and over and over again, getting as much as possible, as many assets as possible. Now they need to go for quality. You know, they yeah. went for quantity. Now they need to go for quality. Getting a second overall pick is great. And now you just need to swing for the fences and get those boomer bust prospects. And if you draft three or four of them and, and, and only two of them work out, that's fine. Because you, you need to aim high now. You know, we have yeah, our, I agree. We have you need to swing, depth, you we have swing for the fences. Players. Yeah, we have our depth players. We have our base. Now we need those, those players who make a difference, who can win you a game on individual skill. Yep, I completely agree. So, so speaking of Kravstov, so uh, according to the news today, it looks like he's coming over. He's signed, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the contracts expired. Uh, KHL contracts uh, expired last night because the KHL season ended uh, at midnight Moscow time. Um, so, yeah, technically he could sign today. I, I don't think it's, it's a given that the announcement is today. It may be, it may not be, because... Even though they were allowed to negotiate a contract, they are not allowed to put pen to paper until they hit free agency. And Kravtsov and also Shestyorkin and Enrikov still need to come over from Russia. So maybe right. the announcement is tomorrow, maybe it's Friday, maybe it's Monday. I don't know. There's no rush in announcing these contracts, but I expect all three to come over. Kravtsov, so you, actually, so you expect you expect Rykov here, huh? Yes. Yeah, that's the one that I was not sure about. I, I'm pretty sure they are negotiating uh, at the moment. I just think that negotiations didn't start earlier because he played for the Russian B team. Uh, Kravtsov's season ended well over a month ago. Shestyorkin's season ended a couple of weeks ago. You know, once they were eliminated from the playoffs and they weren't called up to the national team or the national B team, so their season was over. That gives them, with with uh, of, of course, with approval of from their teams gives them the opportunity to negotiate their contracts. Uh, Rikov was still playing for the national B team, so I understand why they weren't negotiating. I still expect them to, to, to sign him because he's a free agent. And yeah, I don't, I don't see a reason for him to stay in Russia because he will have to go back to, uh, to SKA. And does he want to because the, he wasn't treated very well there? For him, there's no reason to stay. And for the Rangers, there's no reason to not sign him. Yep. We have we have to we have to contract slots. Uh, adding another defenseman, why not? And and here's the thing: I've, I spoke to someone this morning saying, "What if he cannot make the team? What if he goes to the AHL and then and then wants to go back to Russia?" And my answer my answer is simple: If he cannot beat out Hayek, Smith, and Pionk, nobody should be worried about him going back to Russia. No, no, no. It's if, like Beric Lazo. If you, can't, you know? if you can't beat out Smith for a job, then I don't have any high hopes for you. That's the thing. That's, it's the same with Beric Lazov. I, I, I saw people say, oh, now Beric Lazov is leaving and we're missing out on a player. You're missing out on a player who couldn't beat out this, this, and this defender for a spot on the team. Let's, let's, not, let's not act as if, we, as if we lost out on Nick Lidstrom here. So yeah, exactly. If he makes the team, great. If he doesn't make the team and he wants to play in the AHL to force his way up, uh, or to, to play his way up, great. If he wants to go back to Russia, so be it. Go back to Russia. Right. Speaking of defensemen, let's let's talk about the trade we made yesterday with Adam Fox. So um, just to, we, we talked about it briefly earlier. The Rangers gave up their uh, their second their second um, second round pick in the 2019 draft. They yep. also gave up a conditional 2020 pick. Uh, conditional third round pick and the condition is based upon the amount of games that Adam Fox plays this season with the New York Rangers. If he plays 30 games, it that conditional third becomes a second round pick. If the Rangers, if Adam Fox does not play 30 games, um, then it's it, it will still, it will still stay, it will stay a third round pick. So essentially let's, just, you know, it's a real, you know, you gotta think about this condition. If the Rangers move some players off their roster and Adam Fox plays a full season, so to speak, like, a, like uh, he, um, he, he burns like a year off his contract. He plays a full season. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, then essentially it's two twos and I'm fine with that. That's fine. You, you basically gave up 30 spots in the draft to have Fox on your season for a whole year to have yeah. him develop for a whole year. Yeah, and I'm fine with that because I think at this point, um, I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday about this, and, and 
his thinking was, what's what's there left for Adam Fox in college right now? Nothing. Like he's not even being. He's probably not even being challenged. Yeah, exactly. He which is, is nothing, which is true. He has nothing left to prove, and nothing. And, and most players who are who are contributors on NHL teams make the jump to the NHL after either their sophomore or their junior year. This right, this, exactly. this is also why the comparison with Jimmy Vesey doesn't make any sense. Because aside from and this is this is quite funny actually, aside from the fact that both Vesey and Fox were drafted sixty-sixth overall and played for Harvard, they have nothing in common. Yeah, they 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 play two different freaking positions. Uh, not just that, but also in upside. Jimmy Vesey won the Hobie Baker as a senior. Why do we always hear people say, "Oh, an overager in junior hockey, you shouldn't look at numbers because he's three years older than all his opponents," but a senior winning the Hobie Baker in college is still seen as as something great. It's it's basically the same thing. He yeah, is no, three no, years no. older I, than most of his opponents. Yeah. And Kale McCarr uh, and, and Quinn Hughes made the jump after their sophomore season. Adam Fox makes a jump after his uh, junior season. That's just, I think he would have made the jump after his sophomore season had he been with a team that he wanted to sign for. But Yeah, I, I, think, I think so too. And the other thing too is, um, you know, you think about it this way. The two teams that he was on, um, Calgary and Carolina, is there really a path for him? No, because those two teams have a have a really good blue line. Right. So I kind of get it why you'd rather go somewhere where you're going to get an opportunity to play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, you know who this reminds me of? Not not exactly the same situation, but it reminds me of Marcia So and the Rangers uh, about six, seven years ago. Uh, Marcia So was playing in Hartford on an AHL contract. And the Rangers offered him an NHL deal, and he turned it down because he didn't feel that he had an opportunity to make the team. Because we were a contender, and we had four lines rolling, and he didn't see an opportunity. So he went to, I think, Colorado or Columbus. It's just, it's a similar situation for Adam Fox, with the difference that he was drafted and his rights are owned by a team. But Adam Fox doesn't have doesn't have a good chance to uh to make the team in Carolina because they, they have so many great defensemen already. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense actually. Um all right, so so moving forward, so so like I said, Adam Fox in penciled in. I think he's gonna play a bunch of games this year. We're just we're in agreement that, you know, that that, that third round conditional will be a second rounder. No big deal. Yeah. Um, I have no problem with that. Yeah, no yeah, exactly. Me neither. So now we start thinking about the future of the, the roster a little bit. And one thing I think about is, well, what are we going to do with Chris Kreider? What are we going to do with Pavel Buchnevich this summer? So Kreider is the, the most interesting one. Because do you sign him long-term or do you trade him? Because if you trade him, I think you trade him now. I don't, yeah. think, you trade him, I don't think you trade him at the deadline. No. I think you trade him this summer. Maybe not at the draft. But definitely over the summer. Yeah, in, in, during free agency, I can see a trade happening. Um, I mean, he, is tw- he turned 28 yesterday. Um, he will be 29 when his contract ends. And the Rangers are not contending at the moment. By the time, And this is the same situation with Zuccarello. By the time the Rangers are ready to compete, he is going to be 33, 34 maybe. Um, and, and, and Kreider will be 32, 33. And especially the type of player Kreider is, in my experience, that type of player doesn't age well in the NHL. Players that rely on their speed and, and, their, and their physical edge, they, they, they don't really hold any value after, at, at, on the other side of 30, so to speak. I completely agree. I, I, and um, Yeah, no, I, I think that's completely accurate. I think, I think there are players that, you know, who rely a little bit more on, on their hands and their, um, and their skill set, uh, their physical attributes. Those guys tend to end a little bit more gracefully than guys who rely very heavily on their speed and strength. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like Lucic, uh, uh, Callahan, Dustin Brown, uh, to a lesser extent, Wayne Simmons, you could see those players sort of take a step back in terms of contributing to their teams when they get older. And I can, I, I'm, I'm afraid that Kreider will, will show the same. Like, Carl Hagelin is a shell of his former self, yeah. for instance. 
He's just not the player he was three, four years ago, maybe even two years ago. Um, and with the way Gordon has been has been treating the rebuild, trading away McDonough, trading away Zuccarello, trading away Hayes, buying out Girardi, I can totally see Kreider leaving in the summer. Um, and and yeah, Panarin is a free agent, as everyone knows. And Panarin is 27. Even though he's only one year younger than Kreider, I think he has a lot more left in the tank because he has only played in the NHL for four years. And I think people also need to understand that the KHL is, is not a physical league. It's, it's mostly skill. And they only play 50 to 60 games a season. So if, if you look at the miles on, on Panarin, basically what you're getting is a 25-year-old Panarin, not a 27-year-old. And I would gladly give give a twenty five year old Panarin a seven year deal until until he's thirty two. That's interesting. And, and trading Kreider and replacing him with Panarin would basically make you better. And that doesn't even take into account the assets you get in return for Kreider. What if you could right. trade Kreider for a defenseman? Yeah, which leads me to my next question of like, well, what's a what would you trade Kreider for? And um, I've had a, a lot of people ask me this question, and I'm kind of all over the place where, you know, I, I think, do I want NHL-ready talent now? Do mm-hmm. I want picks? Like, um, for a while, my, my, my thought was I would do Chris Kreider for Jacob Truba straight up. Um, does the Adam Fox thing take a little bit of wind out of that sail? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. maybe it does. So um, I'm not as you know, gung-ho to go after Jacob Truba now as I was, you know, a month ago or so. I, so. I, I, I have one, one team that I keep coming back to when it comes to Kreider. And that's Toronto. And it may sound weird because the last thing they need is help on offense. But what they do need help with is their salary cap. Because they are in cap hell. They still need to sign Marner. Um... And I, I would not be surprised to see Gordon pull off uh, a, a Zibanejad trade again, where he trades a player in the same position for someone younger with a lower cap hit uh, to, to help out the team financially. Um, I, could, I could actually see Kreider with 50% retained go to Toronto for Nylander. It saves them money. Kreider is signed for one year. Marlowe comes off the books next year. It, it fits perfectly in, in the long-term plan for Toronto. They can re-sign Kreider next year. Uh, he, can, he can help them uh, in their window with Marner and Matthews and Tavares still there. And the Rangers would get a younger left winger um, by, helping, by helping out Toronto financially. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. And Nylander, and I, I, don't, I don't really care about these type of things, but Nylander's dad played for the Rangers, so there's already sort of a connection, and you know. Yeah. No, I can totally see that. I, th- I don't think that's the. I, I think that one would work for me. Um, I don't know how uh, you know the Toronto Maple Leafs and do this, and I don't know how they would view that trade. But mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, they, they you know they they have to think about what their team is going to look like down the road if they want to keep Mitch Marner, which I am a hundred percent sure they want to. It's not just Warner. It's not just Warner. They have two 20-goal players that are restricted free agents as well with Kapanen and Johnson. Oh, yes. They, yeah. How are they, they going to afford all these guys? That's the thing. They, they, they need a room full of accountants for three whole months to figure this out. Yeah, the math doesn't add up. So they have to, they have to somehow get rid of salary somewhere. Nylander makes seven million. If you retain fifty percent on Kreider, what does Kreider make? Is it four point eight? Yeah, about that. So four point eight will be two point four. It saves them four and a half million in cap space. That gets them a long way towards uh, uh, signing Marner to an extension. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's not the only trade they have to make to make it work, but it 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 it, it goes a long way for them. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So yeah, so cry maybe maybe uh, so let's say we decide to keep crying. Let's go the opposite way. All right. What would you what would you want to give him? What do I want to give him? What would you give him? Like what would you be comfortable with? Five and a half, but he's not going to accept that. 
Nah, he's gonna want more than that. He's, he's gonna he, want he's he's gonna want at least six. He's going to get six and a half or seven from some team. I don't think he's gonna get seven because he's not he's not Marner. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not he's not Neilander. He's not getting seven. Mm. But the cap is going up to over eighty. It, it, it is, but I would I if I'm the the if I'm if I'm Gorton, I throw that back in his face like no no no. I mean sorry, I, I, you're not you're not you're not William Neilander. So I can't give you seven. No, no, I can no, give no. you I can give you six. I can give you six in the quarter. I can't give you seven. I'm not saying Gorton will give it to him because Gorton's I think is one of the smarter GMs in the league. I think there is there is at least one GM in the league who would give him seven. Yeah, maybe. Um, even without Chiarelli in the league, there there is still at least one GM left that would that would offer him seven a year. Yeah, fair enough. Because this is the reason why teams like Toronto are in the situation they're in. Or Tampa. Everyone always talks about how great Tampa is. Yeah, go, go over to Cap Friendly and look at their situation. And then, and then come back to me and tell me how great they're doing. Because they are in the same situation as Toronto. They don't have the cap space to sign Braden Point. But they, they have Killorn on the books. They have uh, uh, Ryan Callahan on the books for $5.8 million. As great as some of these teams are on the ice, they are awful off the ice. In, like On paper, with, with the cap, I, it, it feels like some GMs don't even know how to work with the salary cap. No, they don't. They it's don't been 15 years. It's been it's 14. It's been it's been 14 years since the salary cap was introduced. You would think they would get the hang of it after 14 years. Well, I think some GMs are because they're starting to value their picks more than anything else. So I mean, oh, no, no. they're, they're yeah. understanding the value of of young, controllable yeah. uh, players on their entry level contract as opposed to going out and signing a guy when he's 26. It's not as bad as it was six, seven years ago, but still, there are some GMs in the league who 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 get themselves into trouble by by just signing players to awful contracts. Like, how does oh, Milan mean, lose? You mean like Peter? You mean like Peter Shirelli? No, no, not just Peter Shirelli. How does Brent? How does Brent Seabrook make 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 six point eight million for the next I, six, seven years? I don't know. I mean, dude, we we could sit here forever talking about bad contracts. You got Dustin Brown. You got. You know, you got <laughs> Seabrook, you've got, you know, Lucic. I mean, there's a, there is a, you know, a yeah. good amount of bad contracts out there. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, eventually, I'm, I'm just worried, eventually it'll lead to another lockout. I don't think so. I think we're, I think we're going to be fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, let, let's, let's, let's jump to, let's, start, let's jump to uh, Buchnevich real quick. Okay. I think. So he's a restricted free agent. <clears throat> so he's going to get signed this year. We just don't know what that will be. So is he going to get a bridge deal? Is he going to get a long-term deal? What would the strategy be? If it's me, I buy out Uf- UFA years. Yeah. I, I just say, listen, yeah. I, I believe in your game. I want to get him on the cheap now and sign him long-term so that by the time 2021 and 2022 come around, his value is off the charts. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I, I, I don't want to use bridge deals for players like Buchnevich. Bridge deals are meant for players like Jimmy Vesey or Jesper Fast to, to, to stay in Ranger terms. Um, the Rangers have been in cap hell because they gave a bridge deal to Derek Stepan. They had to get rid of JT Miller because he came off his bridge deal and he was just too expensive. Um, if you look at teams like Nashville, their entire blue line is still together because their GM did not give them bridge deals. They, they commit, they, they, they recognize talent, they commit to long-term uh, uh, contracts, and sure, the first two years, it, it may look a bit, a bit steep, but later on in the contract, you're going to have a really nice cap hit for really good players. Yep. And, that's, and that's what Gordon needs to do. And I think Gordon recognizes that. He gave Zibanejad a long-term deal. If you look at the contracts for the Rangers, there's only two players who are contracted after the expansion draft at the moment. It's Zibanejad and Shea. Yeah, that's it. And I know Shea has been getting some bad reps the last season, and people have been uh, criticizing the contract. But two years down the line, that contract will be a bargain. 
No, I don't even think it's a bad contract now, to be honest with you. No, no, no. But for the people who think it's a bad contract, I, I, I guarantee you, two years from now, they will think it's a bargain. Well, look, there's Ranger fans who think that giving Artemi Panarin over $8 million is a bad contract. There are fucking, I think, I think Ranger fans, some of them anyways, I don't want to say all of them, but there are definitely some of them that have this mindset of, I want elite level talent and I don't want to pay them. Yeah. They, they want like, them all on entry level contracts. Yeah, exactly. I want, a, I want a team full of really good guys and I want to pay them under a million dollars each. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I want a unicorn. Yeah, that, that just... Mean, yeah, it's just not going to happen, dude. That's no way. So yeah. uh, get, that, get that thought out of your head. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I give him a long-term contract, Booch. Um, I'm thinking something like, you know, uh, something similar to... Uh, I don't know. I mean, Arvidsson? What, what is Arvidsson making? Let me check. Uh, four point. Oh, that's actually quite low. Four point two five. For that, that was two four. That that was a seven year. That was a seven year contract, though. Um. Yeah, that was a seven year contract when he was twenty five. Wow. That that's a really good contract, actually. But and see, like that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about because now you look at that contract and you go, "Wow, he's making that much money." That's insane. yeah. So, um, but I was I, I was actually I, sorry. I was actually talking to someone about it this morning. If I signed Butch Nevich for six years, I would I would probably go with like, up to six million a year. It would be accepted. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm in the same like five point five for six. Yeah, because that range would put him at a cap hit percentage of uh, 7.5%, which is great for a player with, with his stats. He is exactly. over half a point per game, um, and he has been increasing his, his point-per-game average in, in the three seasons he's been in the NHL. So there, yeah, you, you could use him on the power play. You could play him on the first line, second line. He's shown he yeah. can play. I mean, you, know, you could play him on every line. And and let's not forget with the, if if we sign Panarin and Kravtsov's coming over and we draft Kako in the summer, um, there there's going to be a lot of especially Kako if Kako plays on the right wing and Butchnevich slides into that second line or maybe the third line behind Kravtsov, you have uh, three lines with a right winger on it that can dictate the play and dominate shifts. Yeah, paying six million for Butchnevich. Is 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 a bargain. If if he if he can become a sixty point player, six million a year is a bargain. And I know people say, oh, six million is a lot of money, but you have to understand that the cap is going up. And and I prefer to look at contracts with cap hit percentage instead of just a, a flat dollar dollar number. No, and I think people also have to realize, like, you know what, your average good player is going to cost money. Yes, like, and not every superstar is going to make six, you know, superstars don't make six million dollars. Superstars make 12 million, 13 million dollars. Uh, yeah, but make, you know what? It, Average players make six million dollars. Yeah. And 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 se second line, second line, fringe first line players go up to eight or nine. Yeah, exactly. So they just have to get the idea of what what value is out of their head. So yeah. Speak. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So it, it'll be interesting. I, I hope they sign Butchnevich long term because he's not the type of player I would I would uh, give a bridge contract to because it, it'll bite you in the ass later on. That's I, how. I, yeah, I think so too. Um, all right, so so quickly thoughts on the Stanley Cup playoffs so far. What do you what are your oh, oh, Stanley Cup playoffs are amazing this year. I mean, um, aside from the Rangers not playing, every every big team that has dominated the playoffs the last the last eight ten years is out except for Boston. Tampa is out, Washington's out, Chicago is out, LA is out, Anaheim's no longer in there. They they always made it to at least the conference final. It's so much fun watching all these new teams fighting for the cup. Seeing Carolina against the Islanders, Columbus is up to one now. Um, Colorado against San Jose, then 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 Dallas against St. Louis. It's so much fun, and every series in the playoffs is affecting the Rangers draft. That that makes it for Ranger fans even more exciting. Yeah, I agree. I think you nailed it around the head. I, I, I came here last time. I've loved the Stanley Cup playoffs like I have this year. And I think a lot of it is because of the parity. So Tampa Bay, gone. Pittsburgh, gone. Yep. Winnipeg, yep. gone. Nashville, gone. 
and it's like you know Toronto gone. You're like Washington Capitals gone. You're like oh, so you're telling me that the top eight teams in the league are gone? Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm telling and, you that. And and yeah, I was I was getting so sick of seeing the same teams in the playoffs every year. And people always talk about oh NHL is parody this blah 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 compared to basketball. Yeah, it's not that great, is it? When when you look at the last ten years, Chicago has two, has three cups, Pittsburgh has two cups, LA has two cups. It, that's three teams who won seven cups in the last in the last ten years. There's not that much parity in the league as people claim to be. But this year, this year everything's wide open. Yeah. So speaking of that, who's who? who I mean. Who's your who's your prohibitive favorite? I shouldn't even say there probably isn't even a favorite. Look, I, I would say based on experience, Boston, but they they don't look that good against Columbus. No, they don't. I mean, like last night's game, they they actually, I think Columbus outplayed them. And NBC Completely. NBC actually showed a stat that the top line for Tampa Bay and the top line for Boston have combined for one goal against yeah. Columbus in the playoffs. And, yeah. the, and and that was that was a puck that bounced off of Pasternak's skate. He wasn't even aware of. Yeah, and also and Bobrovsky is playing out of his mind. But it's not just Bobrovsky. It's Bobrovsky, Seth Jones, Panarin. The, the, in every area of, of the team, they have players who are were dominating for them. Yeah. And if you look at Carolina, Jacob Slavin, can we can we take a moment to appreciate what a postseason this guy's having? How about we take a moment to appreciate what a hockey player Jacob Slavin is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a great player, but I, I think people always underestimated him. But this, he's just showing what he can do now. He's, he's great on defense, and he's chipping in on offense now. He has 10 assists in nine games. As yeah, which is, which, is, which, is not which is, I mean, he's not, he's not known for that. No, he's not. He actually scored against, uh, New, uh, against the Islanders as well. It was in his own net, but still. Uh, right. He scored. Um, no, but uh, Slavin is is one of the one of the best best defensemen in the league. And if you look at his contract, if if you look at what how much he costs compared to what he brings, I I could make a case for him being the best the best defenseman in the league based on based on contract value. Well, I'll tell you what. Then you would, uh, you and my buddy Drew Way would have a lot in common because he is the biggest Jacob Slavin fan I know. <laughs> he is, he is signed for six more years at five point three million. Yeah, that's insane. These that's are the insane. contracts that I want to see on the Rangers. These, yeah, that, yeah, that's insane. You know, and and I think I think we're gonna get that. I think the reason the reason Gordon did not commit to long term contracts is because he knew we would we would have players coming in. That that are more deserving of those big cap hits. Only, like, like I said, only Zabanajad and Shea are are signed until after the expansion draft, which is in only two years. Yeah. Yep. The twenty twenty one off season will be huge unless one of them leaves. We have Shattenkirk, Stahl, Smith, and Lundqvist coming off the books. Yeah. So who makes it out of the West now? Because the West has really become the wild, wild West now. Uh, oof. I think I think in the conference final we'll see San Jose and St. Louis. Nah, we want Dallas. I, I I want Dallas and Colorado, but you ask me, what do you think? Now, what do you want? Yeah, no, I, I know. <laughs> um, I think I think St. Louis is going to beat Dallas. Um, I I think that doesn't stop Dallas from re-signing Zuccarello. By the way, I I oh, think I, def they, I, def I definitely think he re I think. I think they've they've realized his value in this very short amount of time. Yes, they they have already made up their minds. They're going to sign him. Um, I, so I think it's going to be San Jose against St. Louis. Uh, I would like to see St. Louis in a in a in a cup final. Um, in in the East, I'm I'm just going to say it: Columbus and Carolina. Yeah, I mean that's who I have too. I just don't know who would win that series. Uh, I think Columbus. The, the Columbus has the better goaltending. They have they have the better depth at forward, and defensively, they're not that much worse than Carolina. Yeah, you're probably right. It, Im imagine, imagine what 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 it would be, you know, if Columbus goes all the way to win the cup in the year they went for it, because if. 
They only have two draft picks this summer. They have a, a third round and a seventh round pick. That's it. They, they don't even have to go to Vancouver. They can just they can just mail it in. They can yeah. say, look, we want this player in the third and we want this player in the seventh. If they're not there, just pick another one. They, they don't yeah. even have to go. There's no point for them to go to Vancouver. They went all in. They got Duchesne. They got Zingle. They got uh, – who else did they get? Uh, uh, McQuaid well, from the Rangers. McQuaid from the Rangers, right. They went all in. They got rid of, of almost all their picks. And, and, and everyone was calling them crazy because the first round was against Tampa Bay. And then they swept Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and now against Boston, they're up 2-1. And, and game four is at home. They can take a 3-1 lead tomorrow. Yeah. And I think they will. And, and Boston doesn't look, that, doesn't look that great against them. No, Boston can't get their game going against them. Nope. They can't get their game going, which I think is super interesting. They just can't get their game going. Columbus is basically shut. Columbus has done a very good job against Tampa Bay and Boston of shutting down these lines. Yeah. I've just given, given them, I've just being, just being stingy and not giving them anything. Yeah. And I think, yep. it's, I think it's a, I think it's a massive credit to, to Columbus and a massive credit to Tortorella and how well, how well they've, they, they've played. Yeah. If you ask me what I want to see in the conference finals, and this is, this is not even because of the Rangers draft picks. I would love to see Colorado against Dallas and Columbus against Carolina because how great would it be to have four wildcard teams in the conference finals? That would be pretty awesome. That would be pretty awesome. And you'd have uh, two of those teams have never won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, Carol- for Carolina, it was, it was all the way back in 2006. And for Dallas, it was 1999. That's yeah. the thing. Aside from Dallas... You know, even or, or sorry, aside from Boston, but even Boston, it was 2011. That's eight years ago. Um, San Jose has never won it. St. Louis has never won it. Columbus has never won it. Nope. Colorado. When was the last time Colorado won it? Was it 2002, uh, 2003? It was in the early 2000s. Yeah, it was before the, the before the salary cap. Yes, yes. So it's been and, a while, yeah. And that's that's the interesting part, you know. You have teams, you have teams in there still, who are, who 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 have, who either have never won a cup or they've won a cup like 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And and every fan base, as, except for Boston, they won it eight years ago. But every other fan base, I would be happy for if they win a cup. I mean, last year's final with Washington and Vegas, you had two teams that, had never, that hadn't won a cup yet. Of course, Vegas in the first season. But it's, it's always exciting to see a new team win the cup. Yeah. Much more fun than seeing Pittsburgh win back-to-back or Chicago winning three in six years. I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm, my, 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 my pick is going to be now at this point, it's going to be Columbus against San Jose. That's what I'm going with. And who, who would you go with in the final? San Jose. See, I think Columbus gonna is gonna go all the way. I could make, I could totally see that happen. I think I think if it's San Jose and Columbus, I think that goes seven games. If 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 San Jose w- beats Columbus in the final, then 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 Bobrovsky could could do what Jigier does and 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 win the Conn Smythe as the losing goalie because he's That's been awesome. that good. he's been that good. Let me ask you a question: If if Columbus wins the Stanley Cup. Does Bobrovsky and Panarin stay? No. Okay. I, don't, I agree, too. I don't, I, I don't think it matters. I think they what do they have left to prove? Nothing. Great. You won a cup. It, if anything, it would solidify their decision to leave. Yeah. You know what? That's a very good point. If at anything, it makes them say, what else do I have left here? Yeah. What else, what else can they do? Great. I, I won you a Stanley Cup. You'll love me forever. I'm going to go somewhere else. Thanks. Yeah. Exactly. Agreed, man. All right. Um, yeah. Any any other uh, last points we got to think about before we wrap up here? Uh, well, the only small thing uh, is uh, this weekend is the Euro Hockey Tour in Brno. Uh, Russia, Sweden, Czech Republic, and Finland play in a in a tournament. Uh, I'm I'm going there to see Capo Kako. It's only 90 minutes north from me, so nice. Uh, if people are interested, I'll try to post some pictures on Twitter. See if I can get a get a picture with him. And I hope I can get him to sign some pucks so I can do another giveaway on my Twitter account. Very cool, man. Yeah, definitely try to do that. Yeah. I did a giveaway with uh, uh, three pucks that Niels Lundqvist signed for me back in Sweden. Oh, oh nice. 
and uh, people loved it. I mean, it's, it's 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 nice to do. It's it's nice to give something to fans because I already have two pucks signed by Lundqvist. Well, I mean, I don't need another one. Yeah, no, agreed. I, but yeah, I, I the Euro Hockey Tour is uh, is is the last tournament before the World Championships start, and Lundqvist will be playing for Sweden, Georgia for Russia, Hedl for the Czech Republic, and Kako for Finland. So there's on every team there's a player that that I'm that I'm going to follow. Right. So you have a lot. You have a lot of hockey to watch with a lot of range of players. Yes, yes. Uh, it's it's two games in one day for the for the price of one, so that's good. Oh wow! And uh, yeah. after that, and, and then then the World Championships in Bratislava, which is only forty five minutes from Vienna. So of course, I'm man, I, I I got to make my way over to Europe to watch some hockey. <laughs> it's a perfect location. It is. Yeah, you are you are living the dream, sir. It's like you 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 go like two hours away and you see all this awesome European hockey, yeah. and you can watch yeah. it whenever you want. You're living the dream. I mean, it's it's fun. It's fun. So yeah. All right, cool. Uh, thanks a lot. Um, and like I said, guys, this is our you know pilot podcast. So please keep keep this in mind. We're we're just working out the details of how we're going to do this podcast and um, you know intros and closings and how we're going to set it up with like whether that's music or or, or whatever the case is. So um, don't judge us by this you know by this one off you know pilot podcast. Try to judge us on our takes and our uh, opinions of the team. Uh, that's probably going to be the meat and potatoes of our podcast. So um, once again, thanks everybody for listening in and um, you know, definitely reach out to us and give us some feedback on how we can improve the show. Yeah, exactly. If you have any ideas, let us know. Yep, exactly. All right. All right take take care guys. Great, have a great day.